We're kicking off Brand Voice Runway with a series of interviews, what I call mini interviews. We'll be releasing the full length discussions later this month, but to give you a sense of the show, we wanted to start with something a little bit shorter because this is a sit down show, they're conversations. We go in depth, we dig deep. I'm not bringing these heavy hitters in here to answer six questions and get them out of here in eight minutes. So I really hope you enjoy both the mini and the full length episodes. And thanks again for tuning in. I didn't want to go get a 40 hour a week job outside of the house. I think I calculated it back then. If I would have done that, minus the cost of daycare, I'd be making like $3 an hour. And so I thought, well, you know, three times 40, 120 bucks was all I was going to profit if I was outside of the house for 40 hours a week. How could, could I make $120 a week? And I yeah. figured that I could. And that was something that was really easy to do with e-commerce. And it can be done on your own time and in the comfort of your home, most of the time with a baby on your lap. I mean, most of the time that I worked while I was growing this business was when the kids were napping. So I'd drop them off at preschool and one would be napping and I just like fire hit the computer and, and do what I could in those short bursts of time to really just drive the business forward. And that benefited me in a couple different ways. Number one, I didn't have to get a job outside the house, but number two, I got really good at being really fast at doing what mattered to move the business forward. All branding is personal. And it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Repu, copywriter, comedian, and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven figure and eight figure stories and next figure goals. Let's hit the brand voice runway. My guest today is Amanda Wittenborn. Amanda created Amanda Creation, amandacreation.com. And it's a company that spreads joy through products that help you celebrate every day. I'll let Amanda tell us more about what the company does. And then we're gonna dive into how she created this seven-figure business. So Amanda, welcome to Brand Voice Runway. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. That's great. Tell us about the founding of the company and how that happened and maybe what you overcame to get it to where it is today. Sure. So it really started out of just a passion of mine. I loved throwing themed birthday parties. So my oldest son is 17. So way back to his very first birthday party. I just loved coordinating all the details. I remember making my husband blow up a 12 foot tall palm tree balloons that we decorated the <laughs> house with and just every little detail coordinated. And I always joke that I was throwing Pinterest parties before Pinterest even existed. And I just, I've always loved coordinating the details of the party. And I, I started designing things for my kids' parties and friends would come to the parties and like what they saw and realize that I did it. And then they would ask if I would do it for them. And so that's kind of how it really started. One day, one friend said, you know, you should try and sell this. And I thought, oh, nobody's going to buy it. I just do this for fun. You know, I'm just doing this because I like it and, and my friends <laughs> like it. But, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should try and sell it. And so I popped a couple things up on Etsy and it turns out I was wrong. People did want to buy it. And that's really 
what got it started. And so as things started to sell, I just focused on what was working and started adding more products and kind of following whatever was working for me at the time. And, and that was the start. Yeah. Now, it's great that that when something comes from a passion or a love, and we all know there is not like, there, there's no one who loves every single aspect of business, of their business. They may love their their business, but the work that you have to do, and you also enjoy speaking, you know, doing shows like this, speaking to female entrepreneurs, especially in the e-commerce space. What did you find as you entered this area of business? I find that e-commerce is a little male dominated. So it is harder to find women in this space, which I find peculiar because it's such a perfect avenue for moms that are staying home with their kids, which is what I did. I didn't want to go get a 40 hour a week job outside of the house. I think I calculated it back then. If I would have done that, minus the cost of daycare, I'd be making like $3 an hour. And so I thought, well, you know, three times 40, 120 bucks was all I was going to profit if I was outside of the house for 40 hours a week. How could, could I make $120 a week? And I yeah. figured that I could. And that was something that was really easy to do with e-commerce. And it can be done on your own time and in the comfort of your home, most of the time with a baby on your lap. I mean, most of the time that I worked while I was growing this business was when the kids were napping. So I'd drop them off at preschool and one would be napping and I just like fire hit the computer and and do what I could in those short bursts of time to really just drive the business forward. And that benefited me in a couple different ways. Number one, I didn't have to get a job outside the house, but number two, I got really good at being really fast at doing what mattered to move the business forward. So I wasn't messing around with all these miscellaneous things, trying all this different stuff. I didn't have the luxury of time to do that. Yeah. So once I figured out what was working, I zeroed in on it and I focused on that. And that's how I grew the business. Had you, had you done, well, did you, because you're a creative person and because this all, all sprang from the, from your creativity, did you have any qualms about dealing with all the business stuff that has to happen? A lot of people will say, oh, I'm an artist. It's going to be hard for me to set this up. I have to get this and I got to get that. Yeah, I'm really lucky that along with being a super creative person, I have a really savvy business mind yeah. and it has always come natural to me. I've actually said I was born an entrepreneur. I've never had a real job. So I've just done a bunch of different things running my own business since college. Now, how long did it take to grow the business to uh, to a seven-figure business? Well, so when I first started the business, everything was digital. So I was selling on Etsy, I was selling digital downloads. And right around the time my third son was born, which he'll be turning nine on Friday, I received a copyright infringement notice from Etsy. And it was for some Minecraft materials that I had asked the Minecraft company permission to design and had their permission. And I was sleep deprived and I looked at the email and I said, oh, I, I have permission. I'll, I'll look into this in a little bit. Well, I forgot. And a week went by and they hit me again and they, they shut down my store. And so at that point, I had been building the business maybe three or four years. I was making maybe three to $5,000 a month. Things were going really well. And I was pretty crushed at that point. And I gave up for a little bit because I didn't know what to do with myself. And 
eventually I ended up starting to work for somebody else who sold party supplies and I designed party supplies for them. And it kind of reignited my passion for that part of my business. And I knew I had a good product. I just needed the audience. And so what I did was I figured out how to get on Amazon. And the trick for getting on Amazon was that the products couldn't be digital anymore. They had to be physical. And mm -hmm. so in 2016, I figured out a way to sell physical products. And that's when everything really changed. So I thought it was going well selling digital, but the switch to physical just blew it out of the water. And it made sense because moms didn't want to have to download and print and cut and do all the work. They just wanted it to arrive on their doorstep ready to go. And so ever since then, I've been focused on how can I get these party supplies into mom's hands, ready to go, easy for them to use, easy for them to create a coordinated party with not a lot of work. But you also sell items that are, that are of a high quality, that are high ticket, you know, items. You're not, your goal doesn't seem to be, I want to sell, you know, by volume. I, you're not focusing on volume. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, part of our strategy is definitely being more of a boutique style brand where our items are higher priced and they are a lot higher quality. We manufacture everything in the United States. We use local printers to print the bulk of our items and we print all of our stickers in our own office. And so we charge a higher price. The designs are all designed by me, and so they're unique. They can't be found anywhere else. They're real cute, real good at making cute things that kids love. And we focus on selling fewer items at a higher price versus the huge volume of sales. We find that if we did a little bit of a comparison to a competitor who sells stickers similar to us at a lower price and looked and compared their volume, we are kind of netting about the same amount, selling less for more. And to me, that makes more sense because that's less man hours involved for us. It's less you know, work to package up all these products. We're handling less packages, but we're making about, about the same amount of money as somebody who might be selling double than we are at half the price. Right. And how big is your team? <clears throat> we have five employees. So that's probably a function of that as well, is that you're able to, between five employees and then obviously vendors and other people that you work with. And so you kind of never looked back after you went to the physical product side. Yeah. Yeah. So that changed everything. So when I first started selling on Amazon, I was having the invitations printed at our local office max. <laughs> so I would submit this PDF you know, double-sided eight and a half by 11 and I'd go drive there, pick it up. I'd have to come home and cut them out. And then I'd go to the craft store to find the envelopes and, you know, put it all together. And so that's kind of how I hacked it together probably the first six months or so. And after about six months, I started going, this isn't real efficient. This isn't, yeah. I can't keep up with this. I can't continue to do this and grow. And that was when I looked into pre-printing inventory and having it ready to go on hand. And at that point, customers were willing to wait seven to 10 days to get their invitations and they were willing to pay almost $5 in shipping. And so I thought, well, if they're willing to do that, if I could get these in stock for prime and they were you know, able to get free prime shipping and in two days, I bet we'd sell more. 
And yeah. that hunch was right. You know, it seems so obvious. But yeah. uh, my first inventory order was $750. And at that point, I was not sure how I was going to pay for it. One of the big key parts I left out of the story was when my son was born, my husband and I were completely broke, like to the point right, right, yeah. where we would park the car that was furthest behind in car payments on the front of the driveway so that it couldn't be towed overnight. My husband right. would park in a different parking lot at work so they couldn't find it. I mean, so we, we did not have any money when right. I started this. And so $750 inventory order that I wasn't sure how I was going to pay it back was pretty scary at the time. Yeah. And you had told me that when you started this, it was like, okay, maybe we can make some money on the side, sign our son up for T-ball, you know, do something like that. How did the business evolve to where your husband was finally able to join this company? Yeah. So I did just kind of start it on a whim. People always ask, you know, did you start it with the intention of building it to the size it is? And absolutely not. I, back then I couldn't have dreamed of this. When I switched to the physical products and when we got our first inventory and it started flying off the shelf, that's when I started going, maybe there's something more here. Maybe this is bigger than, than I even imagined it could be. And I really, I used those skills doubling down on what was working. So, you know, I think at the time I purchased inventory, I had 40 invitation designs. We now have about 1200 and after the invitations, I thought, well, what's another product that could go with it that would be helpful for a party? And the second item they came up with was thank you cards. And so I would create, I would take my top selling invitation designs and I would create matching thank you cards for kids to fill in. And they're adorable. You know, they say dear with a blank. Thank you so much for blank. Uh, yeah. I really like it from, and they're real cute and simple for kids to fill out, but then they matched the party theme. So if they bought Bumblebee invitations, they could buy Bumblebee thank you cards. Right. And I just kept adding items. I think that first year on Amazon with physical products, we sold about 250,000. And after that, it just became a matter of looking at the income that I was bringing in and the income my husband was bringing in. And, and what was he do? What was his uh, career? What was his? He was a quality assurance engineer. Okay. And, you know, I remember as we got closer to when I started feeling comfortable to have him quit his job, I would wake up in the morning and I would text him and say, oh, I made more overnight than you made all week, <laughs> you know, and of course it was a big decision and it wasn't yeah. something that was just real easy for him to just walk in and, and quit. Right. So there was a lot of talk and we had a lot of goals that we wanted to meet before he actually quit. You know, and then you did it and then you know, we all did a couple years after that face a pandemic and COVID. And, you know, so that was a challenging time. What was going on during that time for you guys? Yeah. Well, at that point we only sold party supplies. So yeah. when COVID happened and nobody could have a party, our sales basically tanked 95% overnight. And I was getting emails. Anybody who had purchased any party supplies in the past month wanted to return them. Yeah, And so that was definitely tough because yes, now it, he's, it, this year I think it'll be five years ago he quit his job. So maybe we were like three years in right. to him working full time. And, you know, we had kind of paced out the insurance and the benefits as part of the, you know, quitting his job. So we recovered for all that stuff. But when the income completely stopped, 
panic definitely set in. So I remember, you know, those first couple weeks of the pandemic, you know, everybody was laying on the couch watching Tiger King. You know, we were (laughs) making pretzels and all these, you know, homemade pasta noodles. You're like, should we switch to selling Tiger King memorabilia? Yeah, (laughs) make a deal with Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) That would have worked. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was kind of mad at myself because my business wasn't pandemic proof, you know, and mm-hmm. I know that that's so silly because who could have ever yeah. thought about that? But I was, I was, I was so mad at the time and my brain just kept spinning and going, you know, what can I make with the skills and the talents that I have that people still need even during a pandemic? What can I, because if I'm not selling product, I'm not making money. And I knew this was not going to be two weeks. You know, I knew this wasn't going to be two weeks. And so I really just kind of got to work and I started creating some new items. One of the first new things I created was a change of plans postcard because everybody had to cancel their weddings and their parties. So I had one that was really cute. It had a TP emoji and a poop emoji on it. It said, this stinks, but we're rolling with it. (laughs) And on the back, it said, you know, we have to cancel our event and, you know, we're postponing or rescheduling or whatever. And I posted it on Facebook and I said, if anybody has anything they need to cancel, let me know. And I had somebody, my background is in education. So I have a lot of teacher friends and I had somebody go, could you turn this postcard just into a postcard I could send my students. And I was like, well, there's an idea. So I did. And then I created a pack of postcards for teachers to send their students. And they were real cute. They had little puns on them, you know, like my student is so sharp with a cactus. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of those other first ones, but they were real cute. It was a pack of six. And I Well, that's phenomenal. It touched these kids, these these teachers were getting postcards and handwriting notes and these postcards were showing up in mailboxes all over the United States. And I set a goal to sell a million. I wanted to get a million kids a postcard. And it took us about 10 months and we had hit that goal of getting a million postcards out to kids in one of the worst possible times in all of their schooling. And I'm really proud of that. And that really did save our business because if we didn't have that, I mean, we certainly weren't selling party supplies. Fast forward to, you know, coming out of the pandemic, what excites you most right now about business in general? I mean, I think the thing that excites me most about business is just the potential, the unlimited potential. Like when just when you cross a threshold, like to think, well, there's still another one, like it never ends. Like how much better can I get as a person? How much more can I grow and how much more can I learn? And you know, what else is out there for me that I'm not even aware of yet? Speaking to an audience of entrepreneurs, men and women, people in the e-commerce space in particular, it's certainly, you know, a great place to speak from your experience. Is there any final thoughts that you might want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I think you you kind of touched on it a little bit before. I think the only difference between somebody who has success, such as building a seven-figure business, depending on how you define success, and somebody who has not is just that unwillingness to quit. And that when things get tough, and they definitely get tough when you're running a business, there are things that go wrong, 
on a daily basis. There are things that, you know, happen that are beyond your control and it's, it's your ability to problem solve quickly, move through those problems, not let them get you stuck. You know, that mindset of working through a problem and continuing to keep going. Anybody that I know that has reached any kind of level of success, those are the skills. They're resilient, they're problem solvers, they don't get stuck and they don't quit. And so if you're willing to do those things, success I believe is inevitable. It's not, will it happen? It will, so long as you just keep going. If you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. The positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow greater than today.